Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Happy to be with you again today and thank you for tuning in with us. Today we have a wonderful study again and uh, please open the Bible with us if you can. Or if you're driving, just uh, stay with us for the next hour and we'll be happy to share with you from Daniel chapter 10 particularly, but also looking into some other parts of the Bible just to support uh, our study today. I would like to welcome our panel and thank you everyone for taking time and come together here. I will just start with Len. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Nick, and hello, listeners. And uh, next to Len is Ken. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Helen, it's very good to have you with us also. Thank you. These are exciting times and exciting studies. And Lija, it's very good to have you with us oh, also. I feel very privileged. Thank you. Joseph is with us again today and to continue from last week uh, we are looking in these uh, uh, two beautiful chapters you know and they are linked together and also the next one actually. Joseph thank you very much for putting together this study and leading today and thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure thank you Nick and uh, it's great to be together panel uh, as we continue our series through the through the book of Daniel. Um, this morning today we are looking at a, a very interesting topic and uh, we will get into it in just a moment. But before we do that, I'm going to ask Len to, to pray for us uh, before we begin. Father in heaven, as we open your holy word this morning, we pray for understanding and wisdom from on high that we might be able to share the beauty of this book and particularly this chapter we're studying today with all our listeners. I want to pray for the listeners too that they will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them and commit their lives to Jesus. So, Lord, we invite your presence now. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Our Bible study today is Daniel, the 10th chapter. Chapter 10 is actually part of one long section from chapters 10, 11 through to chapter 12. Uh, all of which is actually the final prophecy in the book of Daniel. Uh, it, we could look at it this way. Daniel chapter 10 is like the introduction. Chapter 11 is the prophecy itself, and that will be the topic for, for next week. And then chapter 12 is the conclusion. So in a sense, uh, we, we need to see Daniel chapters 10, 11, and 12 as, as one unit. Uh, but today we are focusing on, on Daniel chapter 10. And um, right from the outset there, let, let's have a look there. We, we, we have the setting. Dan, Dan, we're given the setting there in the opening verses. Who would like to read Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 to 3? Reading from the King James Version. In the third year of Sirius, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was also called Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing, and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay, so here we are given the setting. Daniel tells us that there's something that was that was worrying him, that, that was troubling him. He says that he was in mourning for a period of three full weeks. But he doesn't tell us what was the nature of the problem. However, the date 
at the beginning will give us a clue. Now, it, it's important for us to sort of understand what, what, what was going on here, what was, what was causing this. Len? Well, yeah, I'm uh, using the NIV version of the Bible, and in verse 1 it says, And it concerned a great war. Now, Daniel had been aware of the wars that took place with the Babylonians, with the Persians, with the Greeks, and so on. But this one is called the Great War. So this is something bigger than these other wars, it seems to me. And could that be providing us an insight into not only what's going to come here in Daniel chapter 10, but even beyond? Well, I believe it is, and mm. we're going to discover today, hopefully, what it is. Yeah, and having uh, given us that little insight, Daniel tells us that he was in mourning for, th for three weeks. There's a problem that was going on at this time, but we're not told what the nature of the problem was. Do we have any hints of what was worrying Daniel? What was contributing to Daniel uh, mourning for, for three full weeks? Do we, do we have any hints? Uh, Lydia? Daniel knew about the opposition of the rebuilding of the um, Jerusalem's walls and temple. And uh, he was connected with that and he felt sorry for whatever was happening for the, the opposition of the, uh, of the king and of the people. And uh, I think this was his desire to plead with God in prayer to open a door for the people to go forth in rebuilding Okay, so Daniel's in Babylon, and and he's he's now quite an elderly gentleman. Yeah, we're well into the Medo-Persian Empire. The Babylonians have been been conquered. The Jews, Daniel's people, have gone back. Some of them, yes, uh, ha have returned back to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And 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 Lydia's just mentioned though that they're facing opposition there. And so th this is probably on, in the back of Daniel. Well, not even so much in the back, but, but really on his mind. Now, Helen, you were going to, mm. to say something. And um, my version here in the New Living Translation in that first verse says, times of war and great hardship. And if you look back to when they returned to Jerusalem, and we, we've studied this in the, before with Nehemiah and Ezra, how they were rebuilding the wall uh -huh. and, um, and restoring Jerusalem. And at that time, there were some people who were trying very hard to stop them. So, and that was the key, I think. Okay. Do we have any descriptions or any other scriptural evidence for this? Yes, we have. In Ezra, uh, we can read this in Ezra chapter 4, starting with verse 1 to 5. Well, why don't we do that? Why, why don't you read this passage? This passage, Ezra 4, 1 to 5, is very instructive to help us understand why do we find Daniel here mourning for these three weeks. Thanks, Lydia. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esharhadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord. 
the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They hired counselors to work against them and frustrated their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Thank you. So the Jews back in Jerusalem are having their efforts of getting the temple rebuilt. And it mentions there during the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, Daniel, back to Daniel chapter 1, tells us that this was during the time of Cyrus. Of Cyrus. Cyrus. So there's the key background. The problem, the matter that is troubling Daniel is not whether his people are going to be able to go back to Jerusalem. That, that's taken place. But it's having returned back, news is obviously filtered back to Daniel of this opposition to the rebuilding of the temple, which Ezra uh, gives, us, gives us a description about Helen. The opposition was trying very hard to discourage and to intimidate. And I see that happening today. You know, believers go to do God's work and often mm. that they are, the discouragement is, comes in or the intimidation. And we're, we're going to see here how God is victorious and, okay. and we can see that in our own lives as well. Yeah, good. I'd like to just pick up here just something which really interests me. Those people who were against later on the building of the temple in Jerusalem, they were offering their assistance, their support. And this is a very interesting thing because I heard about this many times, how the enemy and in the army, as I used to serve in the army, during the wars or during a matter of, you know, unrest or something like that, it's very important to know how to create a diversion, to be able to carry on with your own plans. Now, if these were brought into Israel, these people, and they recognized themselves during a time, you know, under a rulership. They were brought there, and they said, look, we want to serve the same God like you. But it's almost like building a, a thing, like a, you know, a, a temple in this case, and put the bricks of God together with the bricks of the enemy. And what happens if you have a conflict during this time, if you pull out those bricks, you know, which you put it in because you'll say, yeah, we contributed to this, the whole building collapses. And this is how the enemy is trying to work his way into this. And we are going to see today who is the enemy of God's people and what bothers Daniel so much because Daniel understood the cosmic conflict also, who's behind these kings and powers. Okay. Yeah. I see a modern parallel in how um, some of these big drug cartels are broken up, where somebody will join forces with the drug cartel. Now, they're only interested in evil. However, the police might have somebody who's a plant, who gets part of, well, in part of the organisation and eventually reveals to the authorities and they catch these groups. So it's the same sort of principle. Somebody infiltrates, mm. and then they can do the damage. Mm. Mm. I think there is a, a, a modern side to this as well. When Nick mentioned that they came offering their help, you know, as we, we saw at the start, they came, these people, the opposition came, and they said, we will help you to build a temple. Well, today, <coughs> we sometimes have people that profess Christianity that come into our midst, 
and their their motive is the same as these people back then is to disrupt and we how do we know these people are not fully christians well we can't see their heart as the people back then couldn't however we can see from their actions what they reveal you know that's in their heart they use christianity to serve their own agenda and i think we need to be aware of that we observe in this situation that when they faced opposition and hardship in rebuilding the wall and um, uh, the uh, temple and so on, Ezra pleaded with God in prayer and uh, in fasting and in uh, commitment. And uh, later on we can see that Nehemiah did the same. So, so we observe here that also on the other hand, in Babylon was Daniel who was pleading in prayer and uh, in fasting. So we can learn from here some valuable lessons that we should persist in prayer. Um, we should devote our time, not only uh, an easy prayer, but uh, in consecrating ourselves to God because prayer prompts God to do something concrete and real. Mm. Just a quick one. The Apostle Peter writes about these infiltrators who come into the church in Second Peter chapter 2, the first few verses. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves, so this is an age-old tactic to infiltrate and then to destroy from within. And this is what was bothering Daniel very much. Okay. I think this is such an important point today, especially in the age we live in, because true Christians know that we're definitely in the latter days and the return of Jesus is not that far away. And yet we have so many false teachers in Christian churches leading people astray. It's not the fault of the people they believe what these teachers are telling them but if they were to read the bible themselves and check things out they would realize that there's many many mistakes being made in these churches and it's their salvation that depends on knowing the truth i want to bring the apostle paul also with a with a verse from the bible uh, in ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 where uh, paul says these things very interesting for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Again here, Ken just mentioned that today there are lots of uh, interpretation, misunderstanding, but behind all of this, it's somebody else. It's another force, another power which we are uh, dealing with. And probably Daniel was so much troubled in his vision as we look today because of the of this force at work mm. okay so w w i think we will get to some of those things that we've, we've just touched on uh, let's come back to daniel chapter 10 we find daniel in mourning for three full weeks he says that he ate no pleasant food or meat or wine came into his mouth he, he's fasting he's not eating he's in mourning for three whole weeks What's he, other than the fact that he's mourning, other than that he's, he's troubled and that he's fasting, um, and uh, it was touched on this by, by one of us just a little bit earlier, what, what was Daniel doing during this time? 
It doesn't say it explicitly here, but we get the hint um, certainly in verse 12 a bit later on. But what was Daniel doing during this time? Well, he was doing a lot of praying to the Lord. Okay. And in the process of the fasting and not eating good food and all this sort of thing, he's also humbling himself before the Lord and and really pointing out that he needs the Lord's help. Fasting and prayer often went together, particularly in Scripture, uh, and that's why in verse 12 you'll note there that, we'll come back to verse 12, but we'll just jump ahead. Um, the, the being speaks to Daniel says, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God. In other words, he had he had turned to God in prayer. Yeah, Helen. Just on that note about fasting and prayer, if you go through and you look at Jesus' life, the times that it's recorded in the Bible of his fasting and praying was before an important decision okay. had to be made. Okay. Each time, yeah. it was you know before he chose the twelve, he fasted and prayed, and yeah. you go through his life. Yeah. I think there is a good lesson for us here. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so essentially, Daniel, Daniel again is praying. Now, what do we know about Daniel and prayer? So he was far? a man of pay- prayer. Yeah. He was a man of, of prayer. Of prayer. Mm. Yeah. And I would like to pick up here a little thing that he, he had a completely surrender because in in the second verse he said, and I used no lotion at all until the three weeks were over. It means he forgot totally about himself. He was completely immersed into the relationship with God. Mm. And concerned about his people, uh, what was happening to his people, you remember in our previous topic, back in Daniel chapter 9, he was concerned about the, the, the sin of his people. He, he prays that incredible prayer on behalf of them. And now he's praying again. Yeah, Helen, yeah, and then we'll I move on. To, I think we need to note that it wasn't that he didn't eat anything. He's actually saying at that time he had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed his lips as well. I believe he was still eating but he wasn't partaking of these other things that came into the feasts and what have you. Yes, correct. Yeah, Mm, just in the studies that I've done. Um, And it's interesting to note that one commentator actually wrote that it would have been during, even during the time of the Passover that he was Mm. actually fasting, uh, which meant that he wouldn't have taken part in the fast, in the uh, Passover at that time because of the wine. And um, apparently this was accepted by the powers that be because of why he was praying. Mm. So the question is, if he ate normal food, just what plain you food, but not, food? <laughs> oh, well, if he just had bread and potatoes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I don't know if they had potatoes then, probably didn't, but uh, didn't have the delicacies, mm. why? Because I think he ate just a little bit of something just to survive, not to enjoy in eating and in drinking mm. and in the choice of food. I just want to mention here something because we dealt with a couple of very clear information. And if you look in the Bible, the symbolism around these things, it's very important. For example, he didn't put oil on his body or something like that. What was that representing when you put oil on your body? Or uh, just to remind you that uh, one of the kings of Israel, he was mourning and he was upset of, of things. Uh, and I, if I'm not wrong, I think it was King uh, David. And he was told by the prophet, now you put on your head oil and get up and do something. 
don't stay there and mourn. You know, the representation of those things are not just, oh, I'm not eating something today or, or tomorrow. It was something symbolic. It, it was something important. And people of the day understood when we'll see somebody like Daniel, an official, hierarchy uh, man in a, you know, in a sackcloth, if you like, or, or even praying in, in prayer. And that was something really going on. It was an important matter. No, that was very important, and probably that's what we need to to talk about mm. as we go into the study later. Mm. I, I'm agreeing with you, Unique. I believe he was praying with earnestness mm. um, to the fact the the rich foods in that were symbolic of the feastings. The oil, um, I was reading how the oil is when they went to feast in that, they would put the oil on like we would deodorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it didn't have that form of deodorant, yeah. and he he just put all that aside and was concentrating on praying for these other people, humbling himself, but praying intercessory prayer mm-hmm. was what he was doing, uh, earnest intercessory prayer. So the the everyday things meant nothing to him at that time. That would have had a tremendous impact on the people. Okay. Absolutely. Land and Ken, and then we're really need to move on. Well, I'm going to try to answer my own question. I think it was because Daniel only ate and drank that which would help him survive but the delicacies the things that you would really desire he he didn't partake of those because he was focusing on his prayer the concern he had for the people the visions that he'd had previously and so anything that was towards self he forsook he wanted a clear mind didn't he yeah mm-hmm. So he avoid any kind of pleasure, no pleasure in eating choice mm. food. No, no cherries no and ice cream. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think, Lynn, you've partly answered something I was going to say. Uh, Daniel, of course, is deeply concerned for his people, and I find it interesting to note that he wasn't among his people ever over a thousand miles away. Mm. I find that really interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, they were still his people. Yes, yes, correct. That was it. I mean, we've got relatives overseas, yeah. and we're concerned about their welfare, exactly. and they're concerned about ours. So, same sort of yes. situation. But the, the point of sort of thinking of Lane was the fact that, unlike today, being over a thousand miles away, you wouldn't know what was going on for some time. You didn't go on your cell phone and ask people how they're going. It would take perhaps many months, perhaps, for them to get messages of how things are going. So Daniel, I'm guessing, is really not understanding how bad or how bad things could be with his people. I think he had enough faith to believe that God would look after the people, whether they were a thousand miles away or ten thousand miles away or whatever. And we need that faith mm. today. We must move on. Uh, We've spent plenty of time on just those couple of verses. Let's now look at what happens. Daniel prays, and then this is incredible what what takes place next. Verse 5, 6, and 7, really. Len, are you wanting to read that for us? I'd love to. I looked up, he said, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Was to six, was it? Seven. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. 
What's taken place here? Daniel's been praying, and suddenly what happens? A vision. A vision. A vision. Yeah. And uh, a vision a vision of what? Could I share with you something that I, I read recently on this? It says, In regard to the heavenly beings, seven features are mentioned. Clothed in linen, waist girded with gold, body like beryl, face like lightning, our eyes like torches of fire, arms and feet like bronze, and the sounds of his words like the voice of a multitude. And it goes on to say, as used elsewhere in scripture, linen symbolizes purity and reminds us of the priestly garments. Gold was often associated with royalty. Beryl was a gem in the priestly breastplate. Lightning appears in connection with theophanies. Fire flows from God's throne. Bronze reminds us of tabernacle and temple materials and warfare instruments. And the voice of a multitude evokes a tumult of battle. This description seems to portray a divine figure endowed with priestly and royal attributes along with attendant military overtones. It is important to note that this man, clothed in linen, appears later also in the book and reveals a knowledge of the future that transcends that of other angels. Okay. So yeah. from that quote there, uh, one of the things, essentially Daniel has a vision, um, what's called a theophany, um, which means uh, an appearance of a divine being, of God. Daniel's been praying... God appears. When we pray, does God appear? Mm. Have we had an His experience? His actions appear. Have we had an experience where we've seek, been seeking God in prayer and He reveals Himself to us? Yeah. Nick, you I, to I was going to say that uh, Daniel experienced immediate answer to prayer, but in this case, actually took a bit longer. He was fasting and praying and consecrating himself over a matter which concerned him. And it was not like before an immediate answer to his prayer. And here it's another lesson to take. We cannot afford just to, to have that sort of um, casual, if you like, uh, relationship with God and expecting, okay, because we're praying to you, God, you should answer us. No, actually we should have that dedication, devotion, even if God is not answering as we expect. In this case, the answer was probably not as Daniel expected. That's why we'll see how overwhelmed he was with this appearance and in this answer to his prayer. God has a plan with us, but we need to be prepared to understand that plan. Vision of this supernatural person has a parallel in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here the prophet John saw a very similar figure, which he described in very similar terminology. And he was referring to Jesus. Did you want to maybe read that or refer All to right. that passage a little bit more? Okay, it's Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through to 16. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. 
very similar description, isn't it? Yes. Mm. John in, in, in vision sees that, and now we find Daniel in vision seeing, seeing this heavenly being. Helen. Yeah. Can I just quickly say, too, just getting back before he saw the heavenly vision, he persisted in prayer. And I believe he, was, he would have kept, kept on praying had that vision not happened. Mm. And I think there's a lesson there for us too. You know, I, I know people who have prayed and prayed for their loved ones, and sometimes they don't get the answer, but they will when the Lord comes. And then again, there was a, a woman who prayed for 42 years for her husband, and he did a business trip, and while he was away, a man was impressed to go and hitch a ride. He hitched a ride with this man. They talked about God. The man gave his heart to God. The man had an accident. He wasn't able to get back to his wife. But this other man rang and said, I have something to tell you. And, you know, sometimes God does that. So we may not have a vision like this. We may not see this beautiful vision. I, I can't even describe it. But God, God will answer prayer. He will answer prayer. And it may be that he'll say yes straight away or he'll say no or he'll say, well, just wait a while. You know, so we have to be persistent in prayer, especially in intercessory prayer. It's very interesting. He says in verse 7, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Mm -hmm. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So why? Mm. Why did they didn't see the vision? They may have heard something. Mm-hmm. Just like the Apostle Paul, or Saul at least at that stage, on the road to Damascus, he had the vision, but the others heard stuff. And so in this case, the, the um, sound was very, very loud. Mm. These guys with him didn't know what was going on, so they went and hid. And not, ne- not necessarily loud, but when God talks, the sound of his voice it's different i experienced that in a dream so it's it's overwhelming it's frightening it's just a human word just cannot describe i just want to make a transition from verse 7 to verse 8 in verse 8 it says this and it's really amazing therefore i was left alone when i saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength who do you remember that was left alone at some circumstances of course Jesus was Jesus was left alone and it's interesting that those people left him over these amazing things happened but Daniel was still looked after if you like god is never leaving us alone as the bible puts it i will never leave you and i will never forsake you even though all other people may may leave you and not to support you and this is today in christianity we need to stay strong on god's side because he is with us Mm -hmm. before we even uh, chose him so we shouldn't turn to jelly of course, <laughs> this is what happened to Daniel. He turned to jelly. Exactly. We're told to stand yeah. against the wiles of the devil. So Daniel was also told to stand up, but that was he, after. That's right. Yes. But at this stage, mm. he just turned to jelly. Mm. Yeah. 
and, and, and whilst you're using a, a fairly uh, modern kind of description that turned to jelly, we, we, we find that often people, when they had this theophany for this, this vision of God, mm-hmm. that, that, that was their, re- their reaction to, to fall prostrate and to, uh, to, to have no strength. But he doesn't stay completely weak and, and, and powerless. And as, as, as we go on, and it's fascinating to have, have, have all these insights, isn't it? Um, even just from this uh, opening description here. Let's come now to verse 10, will we? Beautiful. Uh, Daniel yeah. chapter 10, verse 10, Daniel says, then, then suddenly a hand touched me which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. And stand upright, for I've now been sent to you. If we just even pause it there. So he's had this vision, this heavenly being, appearance of, of God. Uh, we've, we've noticed that the same thing happened to John. If we had time, we, we, could, we could compare this with, for instance, the prophet Ezekiel as well, and, and, and other similar. Uh, he, he, in a sense, collapses. But now a being comes and touches him. Who's this? What's going on here? It not, doesn't only touch. Says it, it says that he's very precious to God. Yeah. It was, you know, it, to Speak, me that speaks just, real affirmation, doesn't oh, it? Ah, that, that's just beautiful. How beautiful! I mean, we know from Scripture that God calls us beloved, that we are sons and daughters of God. But to have that said to you and reaffirmed by this being must have been just awesome for Daniel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Daniel was very overwhelmed to the point that. Uh, it says here, as, as we read, I had no strength left, my face turned deadly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard a voice, I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. So in that moment, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. Mm. So when and when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Mm. When when we interact with um, supernatural beings, we are very weak. We are humans. We are so degraded. So the angel touched him and said, hey, just stand up and hear the words that I have to you because you are a, a highly esteemed person God wants God has a message for you I recall in the gospels where Jesus touched people people who could not walk who were lame mm. who got up and walked I recall from reading through the gospels how when the Lord touched various people who were lame that they got up and walked. The same happened with Peter and John, who, uh, as agents of the power of the Lord, raised a lame man to walk. Mm. Now, it shows me that we could have strength from God. But there's another thing here, too. There used to be a song which I've sung on a number of occasions that went a bit like this, just a touch from the Lord is so good. And I recognise that probably amongst our listeners there are people who have had a touch from the Lord and it's turned them around, changed their lives. I've had a touch from the Lord and I'll tell you what, when people say there is no God, look, they've never had this sort of experience that I have and I will never, ever 
believe that there is no God because he has touched me. Thank you. Yes, very quickly, I'm reminded of the song, He Touched Me and Made Mm. Me Whole, because that's what he did to me. And I know there's been many times in my life I've been so very ill, and most of the panel know that, and yet God has still called me to speak for him. And and I have seen my driver take me, and I've been sitting back in the car really sick. I get there and I say, Lord, just give me the strength. And it's amazing that no one there would know there was anything physically wrong with me. God gives me the strength. He gives me the voice. And it's it's truly is amazing. It's from God. And I imagine that's how Daniel must have felt. You know, stand up. He, he, he was encouraged. He was affirmed. He was told to listen, which we need to do as well. And stand up. And I believe that's our message today. Too. And this encounter... It shows us that uh, a heavenly being coming to assist you, that's already a victory. And it's, uh, if I will just mention uh, Joshua, for example, when he was to uh, just to, to take Jericho with his army, how again the same being mm. come to assure him and to uh, be with him to say, the victory belong to the Lord. Now, with us today, also, we may have all this uh, manifestation and feelings and, you know, we know that we are in this great battle. And probably today, the in chapter 10, is to see and to unveil a little bit more what's the battle about. Mm. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, so Bridget, da- and then Daniel was touched here about three times in this chapter 10. Uh, God can touch us in different ways. He can touch us inwardly. And he touched, uh, can touch us physically. I've been touched by a heavenly being quite a few times, so I know what it means. You're changed forever, forever. I've been touched physically. I've been healed physically, and I've been touched inwardly into the deepest point of my heart. Mm-hmm. Three, three times you mentioned there, and, and it is it. Three times it's stated there in here in chapter ten that Daniel was touched by this, uh, by this heavenly being. Uh, we, we just see one. The next one there is down in verse 15. and uh, Sorry, verse uh, verse 16. Uh, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And then again in verse eight, uh, verse 18, he touched me and strengthened me. So Daniel was troubled about news from his people in Jerusalem. He'd been fasting and praying for three weeks regarding the rebuilding of the temple, which had been which had been stopped, which with, uh, because of the opposition that that um, that these people were facing, and so as Daniel's been worried about this, the thought is, well, what's God been doing about it? And now we're coming to the answer. Now we're coming to to an explanation. Daniel's been praying. He has an appearance of God. Uh, uh, the angel comes now and touches him and reassures him and speaks to him and we come to verse 12 now verse 12 really is the most important verse in the entire chapter Uh, verse 12 is one that we need to read thank you then he continued do not be afraid daniel since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your god your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Yeah, notice what it says there? From the, the first. From the first day that you set your heart to understand. In other words, as soon as he had begun to pray, what was happening? From the moment Daniel begins to pray, what was happening 
it was heard in heaven yeah and then yeah, yeah. Um, immediately and, put into place and, and and I really should say verse 12 and th- it goes straight on to verse 13 so it's verse, verses 12 and 13 are really the key mm. the most important portions of this entire chapter uh, let's look at now 13 but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days then Michael one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. I just want to point something out before you bring out the lesson of this. We've got these um, descriptions. In verse 1 of chapter 10, it talks about Cyrus, king of Persia. And then in verse 13, it talks about the prince of the Mm. Persian kingdom. And then it talks about the king of Persia. The question is, is that referring to the same... Um, character or different? Different. Well, I think we will find out that the Prince of Persia is different than the King of Persia. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're raising a very, very important point here. Uh, Here the angel is saying to Daniel that it was the Prince of Persia that withstood him. The yes. Prince of Persia. Now you're asking, is it a different being? Yeah. So an angel is speaking, and the angel is saying that he was being resisted by another power. So, the, the, and that power is not the King of Persia, but the Prince of Persia. Uh, Nick, you wanted to come in. I just want to uh, here to try to establish something. Who's the Prince of Heaven? The Prince we, of Heaven is, is Jesus. Jesus. Yes. yes. Now we know that as soon as Daniel prayed, some action was putting yeah. in place in heaven, and even the Prince of Heaven was involved yeah. in here because you learn about Michael. Now, who's the Prince of this earth? Satan. Okay. It's Satan, of course. It's yeah. Satan. You know the language. Told that in the Gospels. Yeah. You see the language here when it's addressing the Prince. Then, even if it's not said straight plainly to us that this was the devil behind the rulership of the Medo-Persian Empire but uh, it was this enemy of God who stood against the angel who was coming to comfort Daniel and to confirm his you know his dreams and visions. Okay, so so and we'll come to you right now, <coughs> Ken. But what we find here, what we this is this is really crucial to follow through. The angel says to Daniel, the moment you started praying, your your prayer was heard, and and things started. Uh, the wheels were set in motion. We could say the wheels were set in motion in the supernatural realm. Here's a fascinating thing. Daniel's here on earth uh, praying, but things are starting to happen in the supernatural realm. And what's starting to happen is saying um, the, the, the prince of Persia, clearly another supernatural being, was resisting him, the, the power that's behind the Medo-Persian Empire, yeah, which was the, the devil, the satanic uh, agency. So, Ken? Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, in uh, verse 13, it would be so easy for many listeners just to read this as the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me and just thinking, assuming all oh, they must mean the king. But here we find out it's actually an angel that's speaking. Now, we just spoke uh, earlier on, and uh, sorry, the verse before, and we talked how powerful angels are and there's nothing that mankind could do against them. So if he's having a struggle with someone, it must be a supernatural being yes. and obviously not one that's on his side because he's against him. Yes, mm. yes. Now, in verse 13, then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And later on, he's saying that 
not only the king of Persia, but also de being detained by the prince of Medo-Persia. So mm. he is talking about the king of Persia and his son who was ruling later on. He was ruling about seven years and a half and is talking about his son, which is Cambyses. Right? Well, I would like to add this. The issue involved the king of Persia, who at this time was Cyrus. Mm. And I believe this was a battle going on in the for uh, in the king to win his allegiance either that Satan would win the king's allegiance or Christ would win the king's allegiance yeah. eventually the king um, made the decision that the building of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem should go ahead because the angel Gabriel was actually fighting against Satan mm. and needed the one who conquered Satan, namely Christ, to come to his aid. Mm. This is how yeah. I see what, it. What, what Lydia mentioned there, because this uh, requires a more in-depth study for, yeah. uh, for that, but what I'm trying to say here is that God and Satan, they are using human beings also on this earth to reveal, you know, their their plans or to use, you know, their plan through through the human beings. And what Lich was mentioning about the Cambasses, it's interesting that the king of Persia, he was favorable for the Jews he at was. the beginning. You know, he was the one who allowed the Jews to go home and to rebuild the temple. But because of the complaints coming through and those totally change of action there and it's interesting enough because we don't know at this stage and we haven't we are not set up today for uh, discussing that point who was the king the prince of persia but what we know that behind that prince which f uh, figuratively mm. talks about the prince of persia it was the enemy of god which was satan now, that can be, uh, we don't know that, we may look in history, Cambasses, so, yeah. what was his play into this? Yeah. You know, what we're finding here, in a sense, is a little bit of both. Uh, we find other examples where a prince or a king is used also as a symbol of a supernatural being. Uh, we find that, in, uh, particularly in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28, the king of Tyre. The, the, the prince that's mentioned, so the, the king of Cyrus, uh, sorry, the king of Persia is clearly Cyrus. The prince was his son Cambyses. But we find almost like a double meaning here uh, that this angelic, uh, the, the, the angel that comes to Daniel is saying that he was also resisted by a supernatural being as well. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and that's 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 essentially what, what what's going on here. Uh, historically, yes, after Cyrus came Cambyses, who 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 wasn't favourable towards the Jewish rebuilding of the of the temple, uh, but behind Cambyses's work was essentially the, the, the enemy, the enemy of mm -hmm. God, Len. Right near the beginning of this study, Nick quoted uh, a text where it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, said this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand. Now, here's the bit I really want to emphasise. 
against the devil's schemes. Not only was mm. the devil here described as the prince of Persia involved with trying to win Cyrus to his way of thinking, but there is a battle going on in people, in me, in us, that Satan has got his schemes, he's trying to win us to his kingdom of destruction. The same token, we're advised to be strong, how? In the Lord. Yes. So, so Len, really, this is, this is the whole point. Uh, over each of us is a supernatural war, conflict be being waged. Yes. Unseen over every person. Um, there, there are forces wrestling, forces of good and evil, forces where, where, where people who are inclined towards God and his truth and to, and to follow him, to, to, to accept him, and where the enemy is trying to get them not to, to commit their lives to God. It, it's, it's not a visible, it's not a literal battle, a conflict. It's behind the scenes. And, and this is one of the few passages, this one and the one in Ephesians 6, that actually gives us an insight behind the scenes. Yeah. And I was just going to quickly mention that uh, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, we learn about that this is about a great war. And as we discuss now, we, we learn that it's a great conflict. And what is the, the greatest conflict? You know, was the, between the good and evil, yes. between Christ and Satan. Which means, again, here we depict in this uh, chapter the work and the force of the enemy, yes. Satan, who is behind these things. Now, many people will deny the existence of Satan. And they will say that uh, the sin within us, that's the evil one. I would like to challenge here um, uh, this, uh, this theory because I heard about this coming from the mouth of even the leadership of the great one of the biggest church in the world that Satan doesn't exist. And that's in a preparation of the Antichrist because I will say something here. If Satan doesn't exist, then when Satan will take on him the appearance of Jesus, who's that appearance? People will believe that's Jesus himself. Because we started to believe that there is no such devil, it's no such the evil to to impersonate Jesus Christ. And I would like to see here that the enemy, Diabolos, the evil one, it's real. And it's at work even today in our lives. Mm. Agreed. Okay. Thank you. Helen? I was going to say the same very quickly. Sorry, Lydia. Um, yes, you used the word Joseph. It's not literal. I actually believe it is literal. I believe there is the, the war going on, and we can't see it because it's in a different dimension. Yeah, when I say literal, I mean it's not with, with guns and mm. ammunition. Yes, yes. thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah, just to clarify that yeah. point. Yeah. Because I do believe that if we had that sight, we, we would see that and we would be horrified. <laughs> Literally. Yes, yes. Sorry. So this Michael that appears here in the last part of verse 13. Okay, so, so you, you're now wanting... Okay, we, we need to identify... So we've talked about Prince of Persia. Let's identify yeah. now Michael. Yeah. yeah. So Michael it says, Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And so who is this Michael? Michael appears in the Bible as as it is always in, in the context of conflicts. So in the in Daniel 10, he is fighting against the prince of Persia. Uh, we will see that in Daniel 12, he stands up to deliver God's people, and uh, also he is in the battle of 
the devil of the body of Moses when it happened in the uh, Old Testament and in Revelation 12 Michael fights with the dragon so M Michael's nature and identity we can see in Psalms as a warrior or, or, a, or a victorious warrior so here he is depicted as God God you, you see you gave the or, or, answer or Jesus Jesus mm. is Jesus is the warrior yeah okay uh, j just want to uh, say that because you 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 already said that uh, Michael is Jesus but before that what are the names is associated with Michael what are the what what, what do you know about another name associated with Michael doesn't his name Peace. mean doesn't his name mean who is like God who is exactly. like God yes yeah. exactly and also Michael is called the archangel what what that means also is the chief of the angelic hosts. Yes. Now, what do we know about Satan? W what role Satan played in, uh, you know, as, as Lucifer in heaven? He was also the leader of the heavenly hosts, the, the, the angels. It's interesting here that if we look in the Bible per ensemble and tr try to find, not to take out of context few things here and uh, come with our own theology or ideology, but is to understand what is in connection with this angelical being which is Michael and he even says that that is your prince says to, to Daniel so your reference there to Michael as the archangel uh, we need to uh, quote and uh, give the reference that's from the book of Jude the little book of Jude okay. um, verse 9 where it refers to Mike it says yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses. Mm -hmm. So we, we are finding here, there's only a couple of places where, where this term is used. And it, it, it's understandable. This could be a little bit hard to understand or, or could be misunderstood or perceived a bit differently by some people. But when we compare Scripture with Scripture, Daniel 10, Revelation 12, uh, sorry, Daniel 12, uh, oh yes, it was also Revelation 12, isn't it? Revelation yeah. 12, 7 and here in Jude, uh, and the context shows us that it is uh, a reference to, uh, to, to, to Jesus. And I would like to say quickly that the Michael is the heavenly warrior who represents the forces of good against the power of evil. Let me, let me sort of pull this together for us. What <coughs> we've discovered here in Daniel chapter 10 is that Daniel is given a view of things taking place in the supernatural realm. He's given a view of events behind the scenes, if you like. The angel pulls the curtain aside and reveals a battle, a supernatural war. As soon as Daniel begins to pray, a spiritual battle begins. Mm -hmm. uh, heavenly beings begin a struggle with the king of Persia to let the Jews continue to rebuild the temple. In other words there were unseen forces working behind the scenes of action. Uh, we read here that Daniel fasted and prayed is, is in this state for 21 days and uh, the angel then explains to Daniel that it was for that very 20, same period of time, the 21 days that he'd been withstood by the, by the forces behind the, 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 um, the king, of, king of Persia. Whilst Daniel is praying, the battle is raging. Daniel chapter 10 gives us a fascinating view of the conflict between good and evil. 
it shows us that what happens here on Earth actually has a supernatural and cosmic consequences mm. and an impact. Yes. This indeed is an insight into what's known as the great controversy, the great conflict between good and evil. So the lesson for us here is that we are all in a war. Un unseen, but behind the scenes there are forces of good and evil wrestling for our hearts and for our minds. Thank you for joining us in our study today. We need to close with prayer. Thank you, Helen. Okay, let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, you're awesome God. Thank you for helping us through this chapter and the book of Daniel. Thank you for your word that we can read it, Lord, and through your spirit we can understand, especially we, when we put scripture with scripture. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful lesson that we, we've listened to today. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn through it. And we thank you, Lord, that victory um, came through Christ. And we have nothing to be afraid of either, that you are our great warrior. And that one day, Lord, we will understand the road that you've brought us down as well. And we will praise you for it. We will rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory when that day arrives. I pray none will be missing, Father. I pray that each person that hears this word of yours, Lord, will, will be drawn to you as we lift you up. May you draw them to you, Lord, and may they not be missing on that wonderful day. I pray in the precious, loving name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone, for uh, your participation here. And thank you for listening to us. Uh, until next time, may God bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.